Good morning, Calvary. How are you? Good morning to those checking in on the live stream. Good morning to those who are listening later through podcasts. We are wrapping up a series on wisdom as found in the book of Proverbs. That's what that word means over in the corner. It means wisdom. And as we've talked about wisdom, we've, we've kind of unfolded this process. We started by saying that the fear of the Lord is what leads us to wisdom. The fear of missing out on God's presence, the the fear of missing out on God's best intention for our life, the fear of missing out where we will find our peace, our hope, our joy. And ultimately, that's what challenges us. That's what propels us to seek what God says is wise and not what the world says is wise. And it is humility that will keep us there in the proper posture to stay in the presence of God. So the temptation is a lot of times to go, God, I want wisdom, God, I want wisdom. We pray for wisdom, we pray for wisdom, and then we start sitting there going, huh, I am something kind of cool. But humility keeps us in the right posture to really sense what God is continuing to do in our life. And we said about that week, the struggle of grasping humility is that the moment you think you have it, by definition, you don't. Because you can't have an award saying you're the most humble person in the world. Do you understand that, right? And so what you have to do is you have to stay curious because the Bible says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love your neighbor as yourself. So as you put other people before you, as you seek after what's best for them, then, then ultimately it helps keep you humble. And then Drew talked about how after you've sought the fear of the Lord, you sought the wisdom from that, and after you've stayed humble, it's integrity that helps us to stay there as we walk in obedience, as we follow Him. And then finally last week we gave one example I've talked about controlling our anger is one example of how God's wisdom guides us. And the idea of this is really unfolding what we call the discipleship pathway. When we're in here, we are learning. And as you leave here, we hope that you train. That's the reason we have the daily training. It used to be called Monday morning application, but the daily training is so that you know how to continue to grow in your faith outside of this room. And we want to do that in community. That is the discipleship pathway that we talk about here a lot. And it is the cause. It is the way that you stay in connection with God and the effect will that you will be a follower of God. That's what the four follower statements out there, the followers share what they know. Followers follow Jesus, followers serve God and others, and followers give sacrificially. When you are doing those, effectively you know that God is doing something in your life. But the cause of it is, I'm going to learn what it means to chase after God. I'm going to discipline and train myself to do it. I'm going to give myself this, and then I'm going to do it in community. By the way, if you're having a hard time remembering the discipleship pathway, remember this. I need to give myself a little TLC, training, learning, community because that's important. In the community, a lot of people go, is community important? Well, community is not only important, it is foundational for the formative growth for the follower of Christ. Without community, wisdom cannot be grasped as God intended it. So why do we need community? Let's dive in. Let's, let's just talk about community. Why do we need community in order to be wise? Why do we need to be community in order to find the wisdom that God has for our life? Proverbs eleven fourteen says this, Without guidance, a people will fall. But with many counselors, there is a deliverance. Without guidance, a people will fall. But with many counselors, there is deliverance. So what we're really looking for is someone who can help hold us accountable in our chase for following God. Now, 
A lot of times churches have misread this. A lot of times people who attend church have misappropriated what this passage is really about. And they've created a list of morals. We call them the thou shalt nots. Now hear me, morals are important. But morals should come out of a result of your relationship of chasing after God. You get it? Legalism will seldom lead someone to Christ, but Christ will lead you to the law. All right? And so as we're chasing after that accountability, it's saying we're pres- we're, we want you to make the wise decision because we see where this is going. Boom! And it's going to be bad. We want to deliver you from the fall. And so what we're really teaching is the accountability is ultimately the point of the community is to propel you back towards the relationship with Jesus. And so what we're looking for in community is people who will reveal more of Christ. And that's important because no matter who you are, this is the the popular saying, right? Why do I need community? This is what somebody said to me in Alabama. Why do I need community? I got my King James Bible and, and I'm good. And I'd say, okay. But you know that part of what you believe right now is wrong? Here's a really scary one. Part of what I believe about God is probably wrong. Not probably is. Well, how do we handle that? Well, we're saying is the foundation of what I believe about God is absolutely, I think, solid, and you can bank on it. But there's probably part of what I've been taught culturally that's not correct, or I I can read the Bible with a, a bad hue, a bad glance, a bad view, and I need my brothers and sisters sometimes to come across and go, hey, you're missing what the Scripture says. We need each other. And when we unfold this and it begins to unwrap, we we begin to see how God reveals himself. God reveals himself to us through scripture. That's why you need to read your Bible. That's why you need to know it. That's the, the most basic training exercise you can do is read your scripture every day and find one lesson to practice it for the rest of the day. You learn um, that God reveals himself through life's experience, how God has been faithful in your past, helps you to lean into him through the faithful in the future. And other people, the church, that's why we need community. And the other part of it is, you realize that as a human being, you are being influenced by other people. You're being influenced by other people through many different ways. So it is not a question if you are allowing someone to speak into your life, but rather who are you letting represent the voice of wisdom in your life? So who are you letting be the voice of wisdom in your life? Right now, all the mothers in the room are sitting there going, oh, I love this. Can you, can you tell my teenagers this? Can you tell my kids this? You know, all the college students up front, your mom somewhere are, are like going, woohoo, preach it, Daniel. They're feeling it. They're feeling the excitement of it as we go, you know, like, this is awesome. Adults, you are having the same thing. Who is influencing your life? Is it the media? Are you really concerned with everything and you're always worried and you're always anxious? Maybe you need to get off certain forms of media. What about your friends? Are you picking wise friends? 
What about the community that you have established? What about your, do you need to date that girl? Do you need to date that guy? Do you, what about the people who are talking into your life? What about cute culture? What about the music? What about the Netflix shows that you are watching? Or even HBO? Does it point you to Christ? It is influencing you. So, as we learn in Proverbs 13, 20, we need to be wise with whom we deem as wise, who we're giving a voice into our life. The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. So, we know that, but we don't always do that, right? I know that I should put myself around good people, but they look like they're having fun. Y'all don't seem to be into this as much as I'd like. You know, it's like, I mean, go back to 16 years old and remember that. You know, it's like, I know I shouldn't, but what are the odds the cops are going to show up, right? Oh, some of you that hit a little too close to home. <laughs> you can come talk to me later. We'll work it out. The struggle with this is in our life, we have to go, okay, why do we allow people to speak into our life? And I think there's, there's two types of mentalities that we, were, we, we approach our community with, okay? There's one type of people who sit there and you go, I am not affected by what other people think. I am my own man or woman. And you really don't need a lot of community. And you sit there and you go, community sometimes feels like a vice and you're more introverted. And I would encourage you to realize that you cannot be the wise person that you need to be unless you surround yourself with people who can speak into your life. In other words, you've got to be vulnerable. You've got to share a little bit about your struggles. You have to find the place that you can say, I need help here and know that they're not going to stab you in the back. You need that. This is the kind of people, if you're that kind of person that needs that reminder, you've got to push yourself outside your comfort zone, you're, you're my people. Because I'm the guy that would like to sit alone sometimes, lock myself in the room, and just talk to myself. Daniel, what do you think about this? Well, I don't know, Daniel, what do you think? You know, and I don't want to talk about it, it was a bad night. Okay, so uh, I understand that. It, it, you need community. Now, there's a certain type of people, some of us need to see the value of community. While others in the room need to see that community shouldn't be their God. Oh, say, so what are you talking about? Is it, it's in the discipleship pathway. We need community. We need, community is important. Yes. Community is important if it points you to Jesus. You see, here's what I find over and over again. We have people who aren't willing to say the hard thing because they're scared they're going to lose their friend. We have people who are not willing to do what is right because they feel like they need that person. We have the, the, the atmosphere sometimes where we go, let's just get together and have a good time. And we're so scared of losing our community because what we're really doing is we're saying we're putting our value and our worth from people coming alongside us and saying, I like you. And it is idolatry. Because we should first and foremost find our hope and our joy in being in a relationship with the King of Kings. So son and daughter, 
no matter what anybody may say about you this week, you are a prized value of God. No matter what you are going through or what you've done, God looks down on you and he says, I sent my son Jesus to die for you and I need you to know that I did this so that you might have peace with me. And a community that isn't going to point you to the good news of what Jesus has done for you, for his presence, for the wisdom of what it means to walk with him, you need to create some clear boundaries because you can't always cut off that cousin that you want to, right? You can't always cut off that coworker from your life, but clear boundaries that says you are not helping me, so I'm going to show you Jesus, but I'm going to stop opening my heart. I'm going to stop being so vulnerable. I'm going to stop giving you the megaphone to speak vile things into my life. You are not living and speaking with me and influencing me anymore. What would it look like if we really did that? You see, I don't think a lot of times in churches we know what community looks like because sometimes people come to church because they're looking for people who look like them, walk like them, talk like them, think like them, and breathe like them. And they're not really willing to see what God wants because they view church more as a country club social setting than a place that's going to challenge them and push them to God. And if that is us, we need to repent. And yes, I look in the mirror sometimes. Here's why this is hard. I, I said to the early service, when I preach, I desperately want you guys to think, you're awesome. Why? Because I'm a human. I desperately sometimes sit there and I go, oh man, I, I really want people to laugh because that joke was hilarious. And I want you to look past my faults, but hear me, that's idolatry. And the community accepts each other for who they are and is willing to say, God loves you, and I love you because God has loved me, and, and I'm willing to walk beside you. That's what we long for, but here's how we know it's bad. It's we sit there and we go, well, this church doesn't do everything I want them to do, so we go to the next church. That's not community, and you will never find community like that. You will find community when you dive in. You get to know other people. So why do we need community? Without guidance, people will fall. It helps reveal. But I want you to see as we go through, I want you to discern, not judge. Let me say that a few more times. Discern, not judge. Discern, not judge the character of those you are letting speak into your life. Proverbs 22. Don't make friends with an angry person. This harkens back to last week, right? Don't make friends with an angry person and don't be a companion of a hot-tempered one or you will learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. It doesn't mean that you have the right to judgment and go, I'm better than you. Nanny, nanny, boo-boo, right? But you are discerning their character and asking, do they? So let's break this down beyond anger. Are they a person who is always gossiping? Guess what they're doing? They're gossiping about you and they're going to make you into a gossip. Because the only way that you can have community, what the common bond is with them, is, wait for it, gossip. 
What about the people who are always mean? Well, the common bond you have with those people then is being mean. Why not find the common bond with people who love like Jesus loved? That's how you know it's good community. So ask yourself, as you're judging character, trying to discern, not judging character, I said not to judge, and I didn't say, why did I do that? Discerning the character, it's, um, ask the following, how are they influencing me? How am I influencing them? Is this a relationship? Am I pointing them to Jesus? Or am I bonding with them in an unbiblical way, either emotionally, intellectually, or yes, physically, that takes me away from the gospel of Jesus? I don't need to do that. Instead, I need to chase after Jesus. So, that's the negative. Let's get to the positive. How is community intended to function? There's three ways I want to do it, but I want to start with this idea. Because sometimes I sit there and I go, this is what the church should really look like. If you've been around here a long time, you've heard me say this illustration. But imagine for just a moment I had a grain of sand on my finger, right? And I thought to myself, guess what? Indiana Beach. It's right within your reach. And I said, hey, everybody, I have the beach represented on my finger. Who wants to come to the beach? Bring your lawn chairs, right? Bring, bring your sunshade. They know it's cold. That is not a beach. That is a grain of sand, right? But what is a beach? But a bunch of grains of sand laying together. And in this one grain of sand, if there was one, there isn't one there. Somebody, did you have a grain of sand? No, I didn't, because I went like this, and if it would have fallen. Okay, if I had a grain of sand there, guess what that, that one grain of sand contains? All the characteristics of every other grain of sand that's on the beach. What makes that grain of sand powerful is when it lays next to thousands, if not millions, upon billions of others, and then it becomes a place, a destination where people flock to to escape the troubles of this world. What would it look like if we gathered together because a grain of sand by itself? Guess what? The wind can blow it. It can be taken away. You can't even barely see it. But when the church lies together and functions in the role it's supposed to function and holds each other to, then we become something beautiful and powerful and wonderful, representing the glory and the majesty of our Creator, the God who made us the way we are. So let's get excited about what community should look like because that's what we're going for, okay? Community, first and foremost, should make you strengthen your relationship with God and others. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron, so, so it cuts away the bad, leaving the good. When I was in college, I was in an intramural team called the Ironmen. You want to guess where we got this title? I went to a little Christian school, by the way, and so we'd, we'd start every game or every practice by saying, it's iron sharpens iron, so wait a minute, sharpens another, iron man, Whoa! you know, it's real macho, and you may not realize this is a little, this is the part where it gets a little off the rails, and I'm being vulnerable, and so you can use this against me later, and so then you go, that was really lame, Daniel, I can't believe you told us that, but I'm trying to be vulnerable, so don't use it against me, because we're in community, we should lift each other up, okay, so as we would start doing this, we'd, we'd have this football team, and you know when you play football, you don't actually have to say hut. So what we did is we'd go, 
as iron sharpens iron, so when man sharpens another. And then the ball would snap. We did that every single play. That's right, we were spiritual and holy. <laughs> and we did that every single play, all the while we were making fun of each other, tripping each other, yelling at each other, pushing each other, punching each other, saying, I can't believe you cost us the game, moron. So we learned what we were supposed to do, but we didn't practice it, we didn't train. We liked the idea of community, but it didn't manifest itself in our practice. And I think what we have to really ask ourselves is, how are we being sharpened to be what God asks us to be? So what does that look like? Well, the way they're sharpened is community should not only strengthen you, but community should lovingly, all my truth people, lovingly speak the truth. Lovingly speak the truth. Proverbs 27, 5 through 6. Boy, you know, this is a verse that you should just teach your kids from the time they're like three. And if they don't understand it, when they do, it'll, it'll change their life. Better an open reprimand than concealed love. The wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. A true friend will tell you, hey, I'm willing to risk our friendship because I see you missing out on the presence of God. And I love you. A true friend will say, hey, you have something caught in your teeth, right? The fool who wants to go and around just will ignore it because they don't want to hurt your feelings. So what's caught in your teeth? What's the, uh, probably taking the illustration too far, what, what's the crumb in your beard? What does it look like when someone who looks at you and says, I love you enough to tell you this? You see, that's community. And we long for that. But we often don't know how to do that because we've been betrayed and stabbed in the back so much. We don't really know what it looks like to be because how do we know we've arrived? Well, maybe that's the wrong idea. Maybe we need to understand that relationships aren't meant to be destinations. In fact, community should be directionally focused rather than destination focused. What do I mean by that? Hebrews 10, 19 through 25 says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus. In other words, we have access to the presence of God. We have access to the wisdom through what he's done. As he inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, the thing that separated us from the presence of God is now gone. And since we have this great high priest over the house of God, that is Jesus, who looks down and loves us and takes care of us and guides us and is willing to allow us to enter his presence, let us draw near to what? To his presence. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, 
with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, in other words, we're being humble, we're seeking after the integrity, we're doing what God has asked us to, and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, in other words, living out in obedience throughout the rest of our life, since he who promised is faithful. He is going to, after we seek after his presence, after we seek after his wisdom, he's going to be faithful with that. And let us watch out for one another. To provoke love, I love that, to provoke love, that means I have to prod it out of you sometimes, to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other, and all the more as you see the day approaching. You don't look very excited, you should be pretty excited about that. Because here's what it looks like, community is when we are willing to look each other in the face and saying, you know what, this might be a hard pill for you to swallow, but I'm willing to sacrifice, if it takes it, our relationship being damaged so that you might find what is ultimately best for you. I'm willing in love, all my truth people know that there has to be married with grace, right? No one's perfect. They can't be always. But I'm willing to say to you, I think this is a dangerous path you're leading. I think you need to find people and a place that looks like and is willing to speak into your life in a way that transforms the way that you view the world. This is where community happens. How do I know I get this? Here's how you know. You have something go wrong in your life. 3 a.m. in the morning, the first person you think to call isn't the pastor. Now hear me. Call me if something bad goes to happen. I will try to respond. We have an emergency helpline. I will try to come. I will tell you this. Some people's definition of emergency is the milk has spilled. Wait till the morning. Okay? But if there's a true emergency, I will come. But how you know you have community is the first thing that you have in your mind is I need to call so-and-so from my small group because that person is going to be beside me and pray for me and help me get my kids navigated while I'm at the hospital with my wife or whatever. They are going to walk beside me. They are going to pray. They're going to lift me up. That's how you know you have community when the first person that you call for isn't me. And what I would tell you is, a lot of times people go, Daniel, I want that community. And I go, great, you come to church once a month. Love you. So, yeah, but I'm here today. Right. Some of you need to understand that just sitting in a chair does not give you community. That makes you an attender. And in a year from now, two years from now, you're going to leave wondering why you never found community. It's because you never willingly looked. I also want to tell you this. Our church has really grown again. We're in another little growth stage, and we've been averaging about 150 more than we were this time last year. And, and what I find a lot of times is every single week we have a lot of visitors, and sometimes guess what happens? The visitors sit by other visitors, and they're like, boy, that dude was rude. He didn't talk to me. And they're thinking, boy, that dude is rude. They didn't talk to me. Maybe they're new. Hi, I'm new. How long have you been here? I'm new too. Well, new, we have this in common. Let's bond. right? And what would it look like if we really embraced the idea of being transformed into what God wanted us to be, and then as tiny grains of sand, we laid together and said, God, do something amazing. I think the effect is the world would see Jesus 
and we'd be living out our mission statement of followers, making followers of Jesus. So today, adults, kids alike, here is the daily training. Choose wisely who you're allowing to be the voice of wisdom in your life. Do you need to set some clear boundaries? Do you make some new investments in the community of believers by joining a small group or by serving along other people? Do you need to have some tough conversations? I don't know what that is, but choose wisely. And if you don't have community, we have groups designed for that. Women's Bible study, student community for the youth, children's ministry, men's ministry, men's ministry pockets that meet all over town. We have uh, discipleship groups. We have, you name it, we, it's there. You just got to use it. Guess what happens when you first go? It's awkward. Yep. You know what's awkward too? Every first date I ever went on. You know why? I'm an awkward guy. <laughs> Y'all have heard my jokes, right? I definitely used them on first dates. That's not always good. But guess what? I am a happily married man to a most beautiful, wonderful woman after 21 years. And if I hadn't embraced the awkwardness and got to know her, I wouldn't have community with my wife. So dive in. Embrace the awkward. And find you a community of believers that bonds not over gossip, that bonds not over bad habits, that bonds not over just being at work, but that bonds over the pursuit of chasing after Jesus and then let those people speak into your life and then love everybody else, propelling them to do so because Jesus died for you so that you might have a relationship with him. If you've never had a relationship with Jesus, God showed how he cared for us by dying for us in the form of Jesus. And if you confess with your mouth, Jesus the Lord, and believe in your heart that he raised from the dead, you can be saved. Say, Daniel, what did you just say? I don't understand it. Come talk to us. But as we wrap this up and talk about community, I want us to hear what it really looks like to love, to emulate what Jesus does. So I'm going to read these verses over you, John 15, and then we're going to go straight into singing. I want you to hear the command of Jesus that implores us to love, not just to go to a community to get. John 15. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, than who will lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore, because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything I have heard from the Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit, that your fruit should remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Which requires wisdom, right? So where does it begin? This is what I command you. Love one another.